We begin with the latest maneuvering as 19 defendants in Georgia's election subversion case all jockey for position and for many start drifting apart from one another on the court calendar and maybe otherwise. Late today, Rudy Giuliani and six others waived arraignment pleading not guilty in court filing, same as the former president did yesterday. Also today, pro-Trump attorney Kenneth Chesbrough, who asked for a speedy trial along with campaign lawyer Sidney Powell, filed to sever his case from hers. We're still waiting for a federal judge to rule on removing former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' case from state court. Another item with the former president not helping to pay their legal bills, we learned today that some co-defendants have turned to crowdfunding. And in one more sign that justice can be life-changing for those who answered his call on January 6th, a judge today sentenced another so-called proud boy, Ethan Nordine is his name, to 18 years in prison. That is one of the lengthiest sentences yet for the Capitol attack. Another member, the guy in the now infamous window-smashing video, Dominic Pozzola, he drew a 10-year sentence today. Another busy day at the end of another eventful week. Santa Jessica Schneider joins us now with the latest. There were a number of not guilty pleas today, Jessica. What have you learned? Yeah, John, the not guilty pleas now total 12 of those 19 defendants. Rudy Giuliani, just the latest here to plead not guilty. And you know, by pleading not guilty before September 6th, all of these defendants, they're going to be able to avoid those in-person arraignments at the Fulton County Court. And that includes, John, the former president who did plead not guilty earlier this week. Anyone, though, and there's seven remaining, who doesn't arrange uh, to waive their arraignment beforehand, they will have to appear in court on Wednesday morning. So we'll see what happens in the coming days. We're also seeing this flurry of legal filings from Kenneth Chespro. He's set to go to trial October, October 23rd, but first he's saying he wants the prosecution to speed up their production of discovery. His lawyers are saying it's unacceptable that prosecutors are planning to hand everything over only by a September 15th deadline and not sooner. His lawyers are saying prosecutors can't have it both ways, saying they're ready to go to trial, but then slow walking the production of these documents. And then secondly, John, Chespro is also telling the court that he wants a solo trial. Specifically, he's saying even though he and Sidney Powell both filed those motions for speedy trials, he does not want to go to trial with her. He says he never had any direct contact with Powell. They're not accused of doing the same thing. So very much distancing himself from Powell. So in a separate courtroom in terms of the judges, the federal judge's decision regarding Mark Meadows' bid to move his case to federal court. Any idea when we could get a ruling there? It could be any day now. Uh, it probably won't be over the weekend, but maybe even Monday, likely Tuesday, because the judges received all the briefing he's asked for from both sides. The prediction is it will come before Wednesday, when, of course, Meadows is still scheduled for that arraignment. And it appears here, John, the judge is facing one big legal question. It's can Meadows move his case to federal court if he proves that just one of those underlying acts in the conspiracy was done as part of his role as Trump's chief of staff. Now, Meadows' team obviously arguing yes. They're saying it should be moved, even if there's just one act in this huge indictment that somehow touches on any part of Meadows' role. Fonnie Willis and her team, of course, are arguing no. The indictment is about conspiracy and not a single act, so they really don't want the bar to be that low for Meadows, John. And Jessica, as we mentioned, several of the 18 co-defendants in this case are struggling to pay their mounting legal bills. What methods are they resorting to? How are they getting the money?
Yeah, some astonishing numbers. They're mostly resorting to crowdfunding. We've got Jenna Ellis already raised more than $180,000. John Eastman raising more than $500,000. And, you know, John, upcoming, we do know that even though the former president has distanced himself from many of these defendants, our team has learned that he's hosting a $100,000 per person fundraiser at his Bedminster Club next week for Rudy Giuliani. So he's still helping out at least one defendant in this case. All right, Jessica Snyder, thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend. Perspective now from CNN political analyst and New York Times senior political correspondent and Trump biographer Maggie Haberman. Also CNN legal analyst and former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers. Maggie, what do you make uh, of the former president's co-defendants saying he is not uh, funding their legal costs? He's not coughing up money to help them. He, in some cases, says he doesn't know a lot of these people. Right. This has been an ongoing issue, John, about people's legal fees. Various people were talking about witnesses, anybody with any connection to any of the investigations into him for quite some time, going back to 2021. You know, he started paying people's legal fees uh, around the time that a bunch of people were being called before the House January 6th uh, Select Committee. And then it sort of grew from there. But not everybody has been covered. And now you have these co-defendants who his team, Trump's team, clearly does not want to pick up the legal fees, whether it is just because because they don't want to have that output of money, whether there's even enough money available uh, in, in Save America, the PAC that he's been using, uh, to pay legal fees his own and other people's is a huge open question. They didn't have a ton of money heading into uh, the second half of this year. But there is also the question of whether, and I have heard this from some advisors to him, is there going to be an issue for him if he is funding co-defendants uh, and therefore taking on some responsibility for them? And I don't think he wants to do that because co-defendants might get convicted. He doesn't want to be tied to them. Is that the idea? Well, it, it, because it essentially says you're all part of the same thing. And as we're seeing with a number of people who are trying to separate out their trials and sever from other people, they don't want to be part of a large mm -hmm. conspiracy if Trump ends up funding people uh, who have been charged, funding their defenses. I, I think the concern for people around Trump is that that raises a bunch of other questions, in addition to the fact that he doesn't like paying for other people's legal fees, uh, bills, let alone his own. So, Jennifer, to that point, it's expensive. You know, funding a legal defense is very expensive. This is extravagantly expensive for many of these defendants. On the other hand, what are the advantages, if any, to them if they can get their own representation, if they can separate their own defense from Trump's? Well, they really should, John, because you really need an independent lawyer who is working in your best interests and not considering the interests of the person at the top of the indictment, Donald Trump. You know, prosecutors charge 19 people. They're going to need for a lot of those people to plead out. Some of those people, they're going to want to be cooperating witnesses, meaning they will testify at trial against the remaining defendants someday. That means that some of these people, prosecutors are going to want them to turn on Donald Trump and whoever else they have testimony against. So you really need a lawyer who can advise you independently about your best best interest as a defendant and as a potential witness. And to the extent you have your representation paid for by someone else in the case, that jeopardizes that independence. So, so Maggie, Rudy Giuliani pleaded not guilty today. We learned that Trump is headlining this $1,000 per person fundraiser for Giuliani next week. What's the relationship right now between these two men? I think a couple of things are important here, John, and one is I know it came up before that he was hosting it, Trump. I'm not sure he's hosting it. I think he's having it at his club. I have no idea if he's charging a rental fee or what for this event. He is headlining it. That is true. Their relationship is 
strained. Look, they, you know, Trump is said to still, you know, have some fondness for Giuliani, but Trump has often been very critical of Giuliani over the last couple of years. He has said to Giuliani and to others, well, you didn't win these cases, and therefore he wasn't going to cover uh, the, the fees that Giuliani was looking for back in 2020 when he was, you know, offering all of these, these false theories and, and claims about widespread th uh, fraud. They see each other. They have known each other for decades. Uh, so it's important to look at it in that context. But these are not people who are speaking on the phone every day. Trump has a separate relationship that he had for a long time with Trump's son, An excuse me, with Rudy's son, Andrew, who is uh, one of Giuliani's closest advisors and, and confidants. But that's a, a very separate track. Mm. This is not a relationship that has ever gone back to where it was in, say, 2018. Interesting. Jennifer, we mentioned that Kenneth Chesbro is trying to sever his trial from Sidney Powell's here. Why do you think that is? What is the goal here? Well, this is a RICO case. And so they are allowed, prosecutors are allowed to put in evidence of the existence of the enterprise and the predicate acts and the goals of the enterprise as a whole, which means that if you're a defendant, there's going to be a lot of information at trial that doesn't directly implicate you, but could dirty you up in a way, right? It's bad information. It sounds terrible. And so you can be tarred by that in a way. So what Chesborough is trying to do is to avoid having anyone else at the table because he thinks that will minimize the amount of information that could be uh, derogatory that will come in at his trial. But, you know, John, it's not going to work because they're never going to make these prosecutors try two speedy trial cases in two months. The RICO statute is broad for a reason, and it's designed so that you can try people together, charge them and try them, even if they don't know each other, if they're both part of the enterprise and they're both working towards the enterprise's goals. We will learn a lot of this soon, maybe even as soon as next week. Jennifer Rogers, Maggie Haberman, thank you so much for being with us. Happy Labor Day, if that's something that people actually say.